Hey guys, it's Alex McFadden and my partner, Derek Williamson from Thrive Mortgage Co. And we have been getting a ton of questions about the legal part of buying or selling or refinancing right now. Right, Derek? Yeah, absolutely. So we've actually, we're bringing on Tony Spagnolo of Spagnolo and Company Real Estate Lawyers, um, a massive firm locally here. Uh, and he's going to be able to answer all of these specific questions for you guys. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Thank you so much, everybody, for hopping on today. Uh, it's uh, Tuesday, April 7th, and it's been uh, another uh, incredible week in business with a lot of big changes coming down the pipeline. Uh, we're very fortunate and thankful today to have uh, one of the, if it's okay for me to say this, legends in the uh, local real estate scene. <laughs> that makes me feel old. <laughs> There's a lot of worse things to be referred to than that, though. Um, okay, so, so young legends in the real estate industry um, in go. Vancouver. Uh, uh, his name is Tony Spagnolo. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing, my friend? Very well. How are you guys doing over there? We're doing well. Very well. Yeah. Thank you for Interesting asking. Times. Interesting times. It really, yeah. it really is. Um, Tony, thank you so much again for taking the time out to join us today. I think it's really uh, interesting now that we've seen, I don't want to say the dust settle per se, but we've seen some of the biggest impacts and effects immediately of the uh, COVID virus on the real estate system, uh, what people are, are doing in the real estate world, uh, where a lot of the questions are coming from on the lending side. And these are some of the questions that we've been able to answer. And where we are so happy to have you come in is to maybe address some of the questions that we've been asked Again, in the legal market, which I know you mentioned uh, previous to going live here, uh, was lagging behind a little bit, or or at least a point where we're still trying to understand and discover what some of the options were. So, um, right off the bat, you know, one of the questions I wanted to address with you, as a small business owner ourselves or a business owner, is that how how has the pandemic affected your business from a day to day standpoint uh, overall, and uh, how are you and, and your staff, your team, your lawyers, how's everyone adapting so far? Yeah, well, the pandemic's affected us in every single way you can imagine from, uh, let's start with our clients when it seems about the middle of March is when the madness really hit. And at that time, there's a lot of concern on the part of our clients and our referral partners, brokers and realtors that the LTSA would close and the deal wouldn't be able to fund or the keys wouldn't be able to change over. So there's an awful lot of panic that first week about that. The realtors were trying to add clauses to contracts to deal with the closure of the LTSA and lawyers' office, notaries' offices. Uh, that went away about a week and a half ago when the provincial government announced their list of essential businesses. And uh, lawyers, notaries, realtors, moving companies are considered or will be considered essential if we ever get that far. So now that panic is gone. Uh, so the clients don't have that stress about whether their deal is going to close or not. Now they have the other stresses about, you know, is financing okay? The appraisal going to be okay? That's stuff that you've covered off already. And then it's the stress of getting in to see a lawyer, getting in to see a notary. And what does that look like? Are, are the offices clean, wearing gloves, face masks? Is everything being sanitized? So the clients are obviously a little stressed. And in conjunction with this, we have to remember, I'm going to talk about this with my staff as well. 
they have other things going on in their lives. They're not just buying a house or selling a house. They have elderly parents. They have kids. They got to do with homeschool. They got to deal with all that stuff. So there's an awful lot of stress on people uh, at the best of times. And then now they're buying or selling a house. From our staff point of view, same kind of thing. They also have their other lives going on. So they're dealing with a client. But at the same time, they're, dealing, they're worried about their parents, their kids, what's happening. Um, so it's a bit of a challenge. We have more and more staff working from home. We're probably about a third right now at home. We should be two thirds by the end of the week. We normally run a staff of about 35 here in the office. We think we need six to eight, what I'm calling frontline essential workers, people seeing clients and that kind of stuff. The rest will be remote. We're wiping down every office after every appointment. We have cleaners coming in every night. We have you know, sanitizers, hand wipes, gloves, face, like whatever the client needs. We restructure our boarding rooms and maintain social distance. So every single way you can think of, uh, it's affected us. The deals are harder to close. The clients are stressed. The staff are stressed. And as you mentioned earlier, we're, we're, we lag the market somewhat. We're doing deals that were papered 30, 45, 60 days ago. So we're quite busy. It's hard to believe that early March, the market was extremely busy. Yeah. Uh, so we're doing those deals right now. And so we got a big volume of files to do with all these extra stresses. So we're, we're coping and we're doing our best and, you know, everyone's understanding for the most part. So that's, that's kind of where we're at. That's a, paints a good picture. Yeah, that's uh, it's an interesting point you make that, you know, it's, it's not only about that person or that client, but about the parents and their kids and everything else that's going on. Like we see it firsthand as well. And, and you're bang on that. There's just so much going on in people's lives you know, maybe meeting with the lawyer isn't their biggest concern, but it's what's behind the scenes, right? And taking the time to think about that and acknowledge that is huge. So it's Absolutely. good to hear that you guys are taking all these extra steps already. And so has that been a challenge just trying to simply the logistics of, of dealing with cleaning companies and finding masks and gloves and all that kind of stuff? Like, have you guys had hurdles or issues just trying to have the right equipment on hand? <laughs> Who knew finding Mr. Clean was such a challenge? <laughs> uh, so what we do now is we send out an email to our entire staff on, on you know, whenever the it's usually at the end of the week. Okay, here's what we need. If you're shopping this weekend and you see some wipes or you see Mr. Clean or you see this or you see that, buy it. And then we just, you know, we'll bring it in here on Monday and, we, and away we go. But finding those everyday essentials isn't the easiest thing to do. I'm not a shopper. I've been shopping in years. And thankfully, my wife and my family take care of that for me. Uh, but it's it's not easy finding that stuff. That's for sure. That's funny. No. That's a smart move, actually. Asking the staff. Yeah, not shopping's out. a smart move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> little 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 comment on that. We struggled. Uh, so I, I thought the whole toilet paper thing was was joke, and we were lagging behind. And uh, last week, my wife and I actually needed toilet paper. We were out, and I again, I think I went to seven stores. I'm losing my mind. I lost faith in society. So smart for you guys to have everybody out there doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, divide Derek, and conquer. Derek had a question for you. I totally cut him off. Sure. The paper got me excited. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Um, so obviously everything's changing. Businesses are adapting. Uh, virtual signings on the real estate legal side. Is that a possibility? If so, what does it look like? Are there any restrictions? Do we know enough yet? Yeah, well, we, we think it's up and running. Kind of, sort of, maybe. How's that? 100% maybe. How's that for a legal answer? Uh, the LTSA is now allowed for remote signing of documents through technology such as Zoom or Skype or whatever we decide to use. It presents some challenges. Uh, the client has to be in Canada. We have to see their ID in advance. But we can work around that, you know, those logistical things. 
Um, the challenge, uh, though, is so the technology's there. We think the clients are going to love it. It's a bit more work. We'll fool around with that and get it working. Lenders aren't really on board yet. Lender instructions still require us, apart from a few lenders, Scotiabank, I think, was the first, to allow for remote signing. Most times the lenders insisted that we meet the client, we verify the ID so we know the client and, and there's that relationship there. Scotiabank's relaxed that. I'm told RBC might be doing that soon. I'm not sure about the mono lines, the First Nationals and that kind of stuff. I know we do have permission from First National on one file to do a remote signing. So uh, a bunch of us lawyers have a um, conference call on Thursday with the director of the land title office. We're gonna clarify a few things. So we think starting next week, we'll be doing remote signings. We have four files this month that we already have identified as doing remote signings. Clients are unable to come in. So we, we think that's gonna be happening in a, in a bigger way shortly. So I could imagine there would be a little bit more, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine there's a little bit more due diligence or maybe there's more documentation or, or something because it's remote, because you're not physically meeting that person. Yeah, the documentation isn't that much more. There'll be an affidavit and a few other little things. Someone will need to show their ID and put it to their face and we got right. to see it and take a picture. And so it's that, but it's just a logistical thing. We have to be able to email the, the documents to the client. They need to be able to print them. They need to be able to sign them, obviously. Then they got to scan it back to us. So it works, but the client still needs to have a printer and a scanner that they can get back to us or... They have to have someone come in, pick up the documents, bring it to them, right. and then pick them up and bring them back. So there's a couple logistical things that way. Hmm. I'm not sure if there's extra fees at the land title office because we need to register an affidavit as well as the, the mortgage documents. That's normally a $75 fee. So these are the little things that we're working yeah. on, but at least we're moving towards a resolution. We're, we're moving towards remote signing, and that, that can only be a good thing during this crisis oh. anyway. Absolutely. My biggest thing when you mentioned that about having to print and scan and a lot of people just simply don't have access to that. So I instantly think delays, right? If you have a quick yep. complaint and it needs to close in seven days and they can't find a printer, like this could quite literally cause delays rather than them just popping by your office, right? But so oh, yep. popping by your office, is that something that will still continue to be available for the foreseeable future until it's yep. potentially cut off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to your point, I don't have a scanner at home. I don't want to yeah. do that kind of stuff at home. I, you know, I got an yeah. office that does that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also just on your point about popping in the office, um, when, and this isn't meant to be a sales plug. So I'm going to preface it by saying that, but when your clients are choosing a lawyer or an notary, they should choose an office that has a bit more depth than just one person. Cause we're getting files now where that law firm or that notary can't close the deal because that lawyer notary is not available. You're there in isolation or something like that. So it's just something to keep in mind in this market. The sole practitioners at a higher risk of being shut down than a firm that has more than one lawyer, more than one notary. No, that's a good point. That. Absolutely. Uh, last, last thing really quickly on that note, and then we'll move forward. It would be, uh, and then just kind of a short answer on this is, do you think that the, the quote unquote virtual signing or remote signings as we're seeing them right now will be carried forward after this pandemic? Do you think this is going to be finally ushering in a change to the way uh, a lot of the traditional rules have been done? Just, just maybe a short answer. Yeah. Think there. Yeah. Well, I think the pandemic is going to look at how everyone does their business uh, and how everyone can change. You know, we're dealing with a land title office. We're dealing with a law society, dealing with provincial government. So, 
for now, it's just during this crisis, during this pandemic, do we go back to the old way of doing things? I don't know. And to be honest, I'm not so sure I'm a fan of remote video signing. I think there's a large potential for fraud. These are transactions. This isn't, not to put down credit card fraud, but that's a $5,000 bill. Someone commits real estate fraud, there goes your $500,000 condo or million dollar condo. So there are some issues with it. Um, when we do remote signing, that's considered a high risk file for us. We need to treat that a little differently. So the short answer, it may change it. Do I want it to change? I'm, we haven't really got that far yet. I don't know. Appreciate that. No, that's a good, that's a good answer. I'd be curious to see. And, and, and just like us, again, there've been a lot of changes in a short amount of time that I think other in other changes that should have happened earlier. So with that being said, uh, in our business, we've had countless people reach out in the, in the course of the last three to four weeks uh, with a lot of uh, misconceptions, confusions around ev everything, interest rates, deferrals, you name it. Um, on, in your end of the woods, uh, just maybe if you could just touch on one or two items that you keep hearing about or have heard consistently about your job and, and your role in what you're doing in the legal side or in the legal space, yeah. that's, that's a myth or a misconception that you'd like to just cut off right now. But by far the biggest one is a buyer saying, I'm just going to walk away from my deposit. I don't want to buy it anymore. And I'm, I'm home free. That's not the case at all. Uh, and may tie in with some other stuff we want to talk about. But if a buyer decides not to close, they lose their deposit, but they could be on the hook for further damages. So that seller has a duty to mitigate, but if they sell for much less and there's carrying costs and there's extra mortgage payments and there's a whole bunch of extra things and a drop in price, the buyer could easily be on the hook for all those extra costs. So you don't just get to walk away from your $20,000 deposit and the seller stuck with a $200,000 loss in market value, the seller could go after the buyer for that. And we, not so much the last couple of days, but I'll say last week or two, I probably received 20 phone calls from realtors or potential clients saying, we want out of our deal. We said, okay, well, that's fine. We'll try and get you out. But if not, this is what you're on the hook for. And everyone has said, okay, we'll close. We'll, we'll go ahead with it. So you don't just get to walk away from your deposit. And that's the law in any transaction, not just right now in any real estate contract. That's the biggest misconception. Hearing a lot of that as well. I really appreciate you explaining that. And that's kind of the, the same advice we've been giving our clients. Obviously, we ask them to get legal representation to answer the question. But uh, I don't see why this time would be any other time. If you've entered a contract, you've entered a contract. Um, uh, Derek, sorry, go ahead. You had a question follow up on that. Yeah, no, the, I was just going to kind of break it down for people if they didn't understand what you're getting at there. Um, so if somebody had a, a property on contract for say a million dollars and their deposit was 50,000 and they just figured they're going to walk away from the 50 and they're scot-free. If that seller now has to relist their property and the market's changed and let's say they sell for 950, now they're at a $50,000 loss, right? So that in addition to carrying costs and a couple other things that you mentioned, that's the number that they could potentially go after that initial buyer for, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And then the numbers could be worse. If it's a 10% drop in price, that's a hundred thousand drop. Oh, absolutely. You know, then yeah. you got the interest cost and all the other stuff. So it, it could be substantial. Yeah. Um, okay. So another question I had for you is now I know this is kind of a high level question, but do you think what's happening right now on the legal side and have you seen it affect any purchases or completions, whether it be delays uh, people not being able to, because I know the virtual signing piece is very fresh, I believe just from this week. Um, mm -hmm. Have you seen any purchases that haven't completed or have had 
ran into issues maybe because of quarantining or or any other things that are coming across with the we, pandemic? We, yeah, we have, even with this remote signing, um, because a lot of clients who were overseas, they were planning on coming back to sign their mortgage right. document, the commitment letter, the disclosure statement. So they need to come back for that. Of course, they can't. There's travel right. restrictions going on. So we've extended, you know, um, a handful, five, 10 files for another three to four weeks. And the client's working with their lender. Uh, the other side is working with their lender to try and get those documents uh, an exception to remote signing, so to speak. And that may be happening, but a lot of these pre-sales in particular, clients had a pre-approval, but they're not able to come back here and sign the mortgage documents. So although we can remote sign the land title documents, as of right now, a lot of lenders, apart from Scotia and RBC, do not allow remote signing of the mortgage documents, of the commitment letter, of the disclosure statement. That's proving to be an issue right now. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually just had a client, uh, the fellow is trapped in the U.S. Well, we call it trapped if you want, but he's stuck in the U.S. and he can't come back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he's having fun where he is, though. Um, but anyhow. <laughs> So he can't come back and the lender that he's with will not accept an out of country signing. We even talked about, you know, having it done through a notary with the embassy and it's just absolutely, it's off the table. Yeah. So he has to find a way, he either has to wait this out and work with the sellers, uh, which hopefully they can, because sometimes you'll see that domino effect if someone's sold and already bought, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which cause a lot of issues. But yeah, we are seeing that. And some lenders are a little bit more lenient. Like you said, some of the big banks can be flexible. Some of the smaller guys in credit unions, it's just absolutely cut and dry. It can't happen, right? Yeah. 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 No, that's, it's, it's all these little spider webs of opportunities and things that are, are changing at this moment in time. Um, while we uh, end things off here for you, because I think we have a lot more questions. Uh, on that point that you had suggested before with regards to the myth of being able to back out of an offer due to COVID-19 and what's occurring right now, uh, just to put it in context, could you just maybe uh, break it down for someone either in or out of the industry to understand what are the legal ramifications if they opt to do this and let's say the seller isn't on board with it? Uh, I, I think you mentioned that they could they could sue for damages. Is there anything further than that that they should be aware of? Like, is there any other considerations that someone should be looking at or is, is it just pretty black and white? They're, they can go after them for those well, it's it's pretty black and white, and unless there's a loophole in the contract, unless there's something there that a, a litigation lawyer could you know rip the contract apart with. But assuming it's a clean contract, strong no loopholes, it's pretty clear that the buyer is on the hook for any damages suffered by the seller. Now, the seller has a duty to mitigate, which means they got to act reasonably, um, you know, trying to relist the property quickly and get it back on the market and you know, have open houses and all that stuff. But it's it's pretty settled law that anyone breaching a contract is liable to damages to the other party, whether it's real estate or anything else. And so we've, seen, we've seen some of the, the uh, uh, realtors recently putting in different types of clauses uh, to protect against extensions of completion. And yeah. I honestly, I've seen a, a few different ones going around. Do you think these are the types of things that are, that are going to hold up or do you see any potential issues coming from that? Now, we call those force majeure clauses. They're, they're contracts delayed because of an act of God. Typically, it's an earthquake or something like that. Uh, those aren't in the standard form contracts of purchase and sale that are used by realtors. We've had a lot of realtors email us provisions that they want to add. We've been recommending not to put those in um, for a variety of reasons. But every case is different. And um, sorry about that. Every case is different. And I think anyone, any realtor looking to add that should get legal advice or 
uh, I don't want notary advice, legal advice on whether it's worth it or not, because there's, I'm always worried of the law of unintended consequences and what happens if these cases haven't really been tested yet, these paragraphs. So colleagues and I, we've been recommending not to put those in. What that brings up though is a point about tenants and their rights right now. And you may have clients who've entered into a contract to purchase and sale and they want to move in. They're buying this place for them and their family to move into and there's a tenant in there. And so the seller has, been, has given notice to the tenant that they have to vacate two months notice, which was standard. Well, the provincial government doesn't want this happening. They, they don't want tenants being forced out in the street in this environment. It's hard just to look at new properties, where are they gonna go, all that kind of stuff. So those are no longer valid. Any uh, notice given to a tenant after March 30th is of no force in effect. Don't even bother giving it. The tenant does not need to move out. Anything given before March 30th, while that eviction notice is valid, the residential tenancy branch will not issue a writ of possession. So there's no one to enforce that eviction notice, even though it's a valid eviction notice. So the tenants, buyer might find out the day before closing, tenants no longer plan on moving out, now they're stuck. So that's a bit of an issue right now, and that's something that I think ought to be amended by the provincial government, but you know, we're getting phone calls on that right now. Well, yeah, that could be a, an absolute, monster monster issue i mean you put yourself in those buyer's shoes they've sold their house they've moved what have you they've buyer they have movers lined up and they have nowhere to go absolutely right? yeah so, huge problem so what we're we're encouraging realtors just to you know communicate with the tenants as much as you can communicate with the seller you know most tenants aren't trying to be a you know, i better watch my language here i'm being recorded <laughs> Uh, they don't want to nail any. They don't want to be a jerk about it. They, you know, they they may have a place to go. Maybe they can't afford the rent. Maybe they're moving back home with the parents. You know, who knows? Uh, but just have that communication going with the tenants. So at least the buyer is not surprised on moving day, possession day, that the tenants are still there. Yeah, absolutely. We actually just had a purchase that fell apart because of this. The tenant, uh, they hadn't found a new place to live. Luckily, it was still within a subject period, so the, the buyers yeah. didn't remove their subjects, but the, the tenant hadn't found a place, and he basically just said, no, I'm going to stay until I, I have a new place to live. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. they couldn't proceed with the purchase, which it is what it is. At least we found it out early in that situation, and, and it wasn't uh, a worst-case scenario. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Tony, uh, you know what? Thank you so much again for coming on today. Really quickly, uh, if anyone that's watching this right now wants to find out more information, what's the best way that they can get this information from you? Is there anywhere they should look, follow, or reach out to? Well, our website has uh, bcrealestatelawyers.com has updates on the homepage every day about COVID. Our Facebook page has um, uh, all the announcements that we send out, all the updates on COVID and anything else. There's a whole bunch of videos. If you uh, want to send us a link on Facebook, go ahead or a question, go ahead and do so. But you need to do me a favor if you're gonna do that, you need to identify yourself as a partner of Thrive Mortgage because we get so many requests, we just can't keep up. And so if, if a stranger were to email me, we'll do our best to reply, but it might take a few days where if they identify themselves as a referral from you guys, you know, they, they move up in the queue, so to speak. We, we try and answer all the questions, just which ones gets answered first into what priority. So just identify yourself as a client or a partner of Thrive Mortgage or any one of our other referral partners and then we'll we'll get you, you know, get your response a little quicker. Thanks, Tony. Perfect. Awesome. All right, my friend. Well back to it. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, so I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Uh, we look forward to chatting soon and uh, thank you everybody else for tuning in. Talk soon, buddy. Thanks everyone. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, appreciate it. Take, Take care, care, man.